You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome into my basement. Sit down at my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. This is Socks in the Basement. Over two years going strong for fans by fans and brought to you by the fine folks over at Family Waterproofing Solutions. Family-owned, veteran-owned, female-owned. Great Socks in the Basement deals if you reach out to them. They service nearly every part of northern Illinois and northwest Indiana. If it's got to do with your foundation, anything ground level or below, they've got you covered. FAMWS.com. My name is Chris, and his name is Dave. Dave is going to be joining me on the phone in just moments. He had to rearrange his work schedule just so he could watch Game 1 against Oakland. He runs his own business, so he can do that, but that meant he was there very late on Tuesday night. I didn't want to make him come all the way over to my house, so Dave is going to be on the phone to talk about Game 1, the rest of the week, what's going on around the team, things that we learned about, really, in the last couple of days leading into the White Sox going into this series with Oakland and it's a glorious day on Tuesday where the White Sox go and play their first postseason game in 12 years and get the win but an even better day on Wednesday when they have an opportunity to advance to the next round of the postseason because it's a short three-game series they got Dallas Keuchel on the mound I like our chances a lot right before game one began I was on Twitter on the Sox in the basement account I said White Sox in two forget this third starter nonsense let's just get it done And that opportunity exists if you're listening to this show before Game 2. If you're catching up with the show after Wednesday's game, don't worry. we got lots to talk about about the White Sox. We learned a little bit about the inner workings of the team, I believe, this week. I will tell you this, though. Super excited to see that somebody grabbed control of this team with the roster that was put out there for the first round and the lineup that was presented for Game 1. I know a lot of people think that I just want to harp on Ricky Renteria all the time, but trust me, you can go back and listen to episodes of Socks in the Basement where I say, maybe this guy is the manager. I love the culture that he brings. I think the young players respond to him. There's a lot of great things, but strategically over the last couple of weeks, absolutely terrible. But over the past week, some interesting things came out of Renteria, and then actions that happened before the playoff series started were also very, very interesting. We're going to dive into that. First off, Tim Anderson. What a stud. Let's think about this. This man chirps a little bit, talks about how they obviously haven't done the scouting report or they don't know them or what. I can't even remember exactly what he said, but he basically says the A's were dumb to start a left-handed pitcher against this team. And they were. Bob Melvin, bad idea. I'm pretty sure there's a podcast in Oakland ripping you for being a bad manager this week. Jesus Lazardo is a pretty good pitcher. He's also a young pitcher going up against a team that eats lefties for breakfast, lunch, and and dinner. And yeah, it wasn't a 10-run explosion, but there's a reason he was out of the game very quickly. But TA, three for four, after basically saying they don't know us, they obviously haven't checked in on us enough, they don't don't know who they're facing. I mean, he backed it up. That's a leader. I love it. Jose Abreu, a leader. In fact, those two guys really are the catalyst to the entire offense. Adam Engel has the big home run. And again, this guy should be playing a lot more. He's much better against left-handed pitching. But I love that defensive alignment. I'd love to see him out there every single game. It would be awesome. But think about Anderson with the leadoff hit. And sure, he doesn't come around the score. In fact, Abreu gets him moved over, and then the two of them are left on base. So the next time Anderson comes up, he gets on base again. And this time, Abreu's like, nope, I'm not getting stranded. 
and he hits a two-run bomb. Those two guys were the engine that made the offensive car go, and then Lucas Giolito, an absolute stud. That's what you want an ace to do. That was a determined pitcher. That was his first postseason game, and he had the jitters, obviously, and he was backed up by great defensive play. But that's an ace right there, and I think Dallas Keuchel and his relationship with Giolito, I'm reading between the lines and a lot of things that are being said, and we don't get a lot of stuff out of camp. We don't get a lot of stuff out of the locker room because of the fact that we're so cut off from them during COVID-19, but it seems obvious. That's why a Dallas Keuchel is there. Postseason experience and an influence on the guys on the staff that need it. Lucas Giolito, if you're not sold on him right now, I don't know what else he needs to do to sell you on him. Incredible. I'm going to bring in Dave, though, right now. I want to ask him, what did you think, bud? Um, the first thing that struck me, Chris, the lineup. No Edwin Encarnacion, no Nomar Mazzara. I had to do a double take. I don't know. Now, maybe you have this stat that you could look this up. The last time that we had both no Mazzara and no Edwin Encarnacion in the lineup at the same time. It was, br- it was brilliant. You took the two most useless parts of your lineup and you stuck them on the bench Look at the re- and look at the result. The thing that struck me the most, looking at the roster coming out for the first round and the fact you didn't have Reynaldo Lopez on there, you added Zach Collins on there, so you had a third catcher right. and everything that was going on. The thing that struck me, was then I I sat down and I thought to myself, wait a minute, let me look at some of the quotes that came out over the last couple of days through a different prism. We had Ricky Renteria telling Scott Merkin, who's been on this show before, and other beat reporters at Edwin Encarnacion, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said it, had earned the right to be out there starting in the postseason. And then a couple of days later, as the slide continued, made a comment about how some people might have to, just right towards the end of the season, some people might have to swallow their pride a little bit and we might have to do things a little bit differently. I kept thinking that was him deciding that Edwin was not going to be the guy. But is it is it possible? Like, I look at the, the roster. Rick Renteria isn't the only guy coming up with who's going to be on the playoff roster. No, no, no. Rick Hahn's sitting there with him. There are other people in the room with him. Did Did Ricky Renteria have to swallow his pride too? I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what it felt like. Like somebody said, no, 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 Rick, this isn't working. This is what we want to do. This is how we want to attack this. And he may have had to sit there and say, maybe some of these critics of me were right. Because guess what? This this has to hurt Ricky internally. I mean, if he wins, he won't care. But he's been sitting around telling people like you and like me and anybody else that has criticized his lineup that we're all crazy. But in the end, what we've been asking for for the last three weeks is, is actually happening now all of a sudden. So he had to swallow a little pride as well, right? Yes, and we've known this about Renteria for as long as he's been here. He has his guys. He has his guys, and for whatever reason, his guys have earned the right to play every day. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're batting 137 or whatever Encarnacion is batting. And, and I thought about it too. It was such, Chris, it was such a drastic change to the lineup. Like we texted about it, I, and I said it right off the bat. Like when the lineup came out, I'm like, "This has to be. This has to come down from Han. It has to." Ricky wouldn't do this. Ricky has never done this. I couldn't find a game. Like I said, I could not find a game where both of them sat on the bench the entire game at the same time. I mean, and does it surprise you though? If if you're Rick Han, you're like, "Look, we've spent all this money on talent. We've developed these young players." The time to win is now. Stop 
with this, oh, well, you know, I've got a gut feeling or, you know, I have a hunch or, you know, this dude, this guy has earned the right to be out there based on previous merit or, you know, I'm going to go out there and paint a Picasso today. No, put your best players out there, dude. It's the postseason. So I, I thought immediately this came down from Han. It, it had to have. It's it's obvious to me, and I don't want to spend the entire show talking about Renteria and his lineup, because really the big news is the White Sox went out and won a, a playoff game. But the narrative already that you're seeing from some of those that are around the team covering it on, every day is that the Sox are pushing a narrative now that Ricky was experimenting over the last 10 days, that he wanted to test guys to see if they had it in them. So they're excusing away the last 10 days. Now, it might work out perfectly because the A's may be a great matchup compared to a lot of the other teams they could have run into. And if that happens, then fine. If that's the reason, fine. But it's kind of funny because that's not what was being portrayed until just right about now. Now, all of a sudden, it was an experiment over the last 10 days. Now, all of a sudden, this was something that was inevitable that we were going to make these changes in the lineup, the things that we've been yelling about for a couple of weeks, and we're not the only people that have been yelling about it. So I'm glad that they did it. I'm excited. He does make me concerned, though, because he's still going with gut feeling. The announcers for ESPN were absolutely brutal to listen to in game one. Just absolutely brutal. But I will tell you this. There was an incredible point made by Jessica Mendoza about Ricky Renteria letting Lucas Giolito talk him into staying out there. And it should have been obvious that Giolito should never have started the eighth inning. And then after he walked a guy on four straight pitches and Ricky goes out there, the idea he was able to talk him into getting one more pitch off where he gives up a solid base hit to a left-handed batter who had just put one to the wall in his last at-bat against Giolito a few innings earlier. And you had Aaron Bummer ready to go because that's his job is to get that lefty. At at that moment, Ricky Renteria again showed that even though there was a path and there was a right thing to do, he almost allows his players to talk him into things and he can't help himself with this. He deserves to go back out there. I heard that on the postgame show. In fact, I want to say it was on the baseball show that follows the postgame show tonight. Are you talking ESPN guys or White Sox guys? I'm talking NBC Sports. I'm talking on NBC Sports. They did their postgame, and then they had the baseball show afterwards, and it was immediately floated that Giolito had earned the right to go out there. And in the postseason, there's no such thing. In the postseason, it's who's the best guy for this inning to get the outs to win because you have no guarantee with a four-run lead. And, and, and guess what? If the, if Marshall and Bummer don't come in and lock that thing down, if you don't get some really nice defense when you needed it at that moment, that game could have been broken back open. We could have had a one-run game. We could have had a tie game. It could have been a disaster. And, and it, it, those little moments, those are the things that I always remember about Ricky Renteria. He did not win the game tonight. He could have lost the game tonight. His team played over his mistake. And that's not to say that there's not other, other managers that are stupid. Bob Melvin's an idiot. He basically ignored the fact the White Sox do nothing but destroy left-handed pitching and said, I'm starting a left-handed rookie pitcher. Yeah, you're right. And and look, we, Chris, here's the thing. We don't know. It could all it could very well be that Ricky knew that he was going to do this all along, but wanted to give these last 10 games, wanted to give, you know, Mazzara and and Encarnacion, knowing that they're on the hot seat, a chance to prove themselves, to to prove they belong on the starting postseason roster. And hey, guess what? They didn't. So maybe it was the plan all along. I don't think so. I think the lineup came down from Han, to be quite honest. But whatever. We've 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 won our first game, very important game in the series. 
Giolito, man, <laughs> let's talk about him for a little bit because, dude, what a stud, man. He goes into the seventh inning with a no-hitter. Yeah, he's only the fifth Major League Baseball pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball to enter the seventh inning in a postseason game with a perfect game. That is absolutely incredible. Now, ESPN did everything they could to jinx it. It was like they, were, they, they just kept saying it over and over again because they just couldn't help themselves. But I don't really believe in that stuff. But Giolito benefited in the first couple innings from spectacular defense. I mean, Luis Robert made a couple of really great jumps on balls and gaps so that were going to fall in, and he makes them look easy. But he could very easily have given up a couple of hits just in those first couple innings. And then he settles down, and he starts finding that high fastball and he starts finding where he wants to put the pitch. And we had the umpire was a little off, but he was doing it for both guys. And sometimes he got the benefit of a call, just like sometimes there was a benefit for Lazardo or one of the A's pitchers. He took every advantage that he could. He got great defense behind him. And he 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 did everything he was supposed to do. And, and to be honest with you, I don't want anybody to think that me sitting there saying, you know, Ricky shouldn't have brought him out there for the eighth inning to 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 be smirched Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito had a great game. But Lucas Giolito, I would have liked to have seen him leave on a high. I would have liked to have seen him walk off feeling confident instead of going out in the eighth inning. And then he looked pissed off in the dugout for the entire eighth inning when he got taken out. Then he was on edge and right. he, he was putting that on him. And he, he, he shouldn't have to put that on him. He had done something great, allow him to come off the mound after seven innings. He struggled a little bit in that seventh inning. He got a great pick by Mankata that really that really bailed him out. If Mankata doesn't make that amazing play to his left side, the, the ball goes out there, it's a base hit, and, and now he's in, he's in even more trouble then. He found a way to get out of the inning that he was in, and then you put him back in there when he was already having trouble. You know, here's the weird thing, Dave, and I just want to float this, and maybe I'm crazy, but a lot of people watch the game. The, the speculation on the TV was that he's done based upon his body language. I thought he was done, too. He's laughing. He's joking. He's drinking water. He's goofing around. He doesn't have his hat off anymore. He's not into the game. Grandal hits a home run, and all of a sudden you see him basically getting ready to go out there again. Did Renteria intend in a closer game to take him out, but because he got that extra run, he was like, oh, right, go on out there then? Can you get me one more inning? And, and that's, it felt like that's what the decision was. And I think once a guy has mentally let go of the game, if that's the case, you don't try to get him to get it back real quick. You should have probably just started with Marshall or Bummer right away in that inning. I mean, it worked out. And we're going to have these weird things throughout the postseason where a move happens that we go, that was probably a dumb move. And it, it sometimes it just works out. Okay. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Bob Melvin was also very dumb pregame with it with what he did sending out Lazardo was not a smart move and he got he got creamed for it and he should get he's probably getting ripped about it in, in Oakland right now socks in the basement listeners do the hard work and if you're a hard-working man or woman on the south side you need to be outfitted properly and that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. 
You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. We've known what we're getting with the defense in the infield. Mancata, Abreu, Anderson, all solid, and Madrigal is a wizard at second base. So we've known this. The thing that was the thing that struck me, you put your best defensive outfield out there because Engel is far superior defensively to Nomar Mazzara. We know that. Robert is Robert. All right, he's going to run down every, everything. But putting Leary Garcia in left field, now, albeit because Eloy was injured, but in the Oakland Coliseum outfield, which is a freaking airport, okay, that outfield is huge. I would much rather have Garcia, Robert, and Engel than, you know, Mazzara, Robert, and an injured Eloy Jimenez that's basically out there on one foot. Credit whomever sent down the lineup card for today. No, because you're a better defensive team. Not only are you a better offensive team because of the move, but you're a better def- you're a better defensive team as a result of it too. Most White Sox fans at this point, after watching Game One and what you said about the Oakland Coliseum, have to think that for the remainder of the series, you wouldn't mind it if Jimenez, because of his foot, was DHing and you had the best defensive outfield you could possibly put out there. I mean, that, that's what I would like to see. Right. I would love to see that outfield and Jimenez in the DH spot with Grandal catching because I think Yasmani's a baller, and I think with his postseason experience, it really is going to come into play. Absolutely. And I'm totally fine with putting Jimenez in the DH spot and playing your best defense and using Mazzara as the first left-handed bat off the off the bench and having no problem with McCann being the first right-handed bat off the bench. And if you find a moment, Ricky, where you think Edwin's got that guy's number, fine. I'm going to defer to the manager as long as he's coming off the bench. But I would be I'd be totally okay with that. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to tell you something else though. I was in love with the 28-man roster for the playoffs. Because you brought up the third catcher in Zach Collins, and you also were able to, because it's 28 men, to get rid of some of these these pitchers that you have been kind of like rotating through. You know, you don't see Jose Ruiz out there. You don't have Reynaldo no. Lopez sitting out there. No, you've, you've no. got you've got a bullpen that includes Bummer and Fry and Garrett Crochet, and Rodon is really there. I would say for long relief, he should never come in, in the middle of an inning. That's what I was going to say. When I saw when I saw Rodon out there, I'm sitting there going, "Okay, this makes the bullpen better because you know you're not going to start him." Yeah, game three could be a combination of Dunning and Cease and Rodon, and you could use. I mean, you could do a million different combinations here. You might not see any of them, but I mean, it gives you it gives you far more options. And and you know, Colomay is out there to close, but I mean, Foster and Hoyer and Marshall, and then you know, Jimmy Cordero does have some things that he's good for if he's not put into every certain high leverage situations he shouldn't be there. But he was wasn't going to sniff that game. You know what? Here's the thing. Game one, the lineup was done exactly, or not exactly, but close enough that it was to the logic of what we've been saying now for over a month. And the decision-making of who was coming in from the bullpen was also correct. The only mistake that was made was the delay in replacing Giolito. But that was really the only mistake. It was nearly a flawless way to run the team and it resulted right. in a win. And it'll be, look, we've we said it all along. Look, I, 
I am not the biggest Ricky Renteria fan. There have been times where I've sat there and said he does a very good job with his clubhouse. He does a very good job with 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 certain aspects of it. But strategically, he has driven me nuts this year. When it comes to the way he's deployed his players in his lineup, he has driven me nuts this year. But if I see this going forward, it'll be very hard for me to sit there and say, well, they should replace him in the offseason. How is he's going to make mistakes just like every other manager in Major League Baseball? He left in G a little bit too long. They got over the mistake. But otherwise, everything else he did was right. There was one stupid thing that he did. Dave, I love the White Sox like my family. And whether you're braiding your daughter's hair, taking care of a sick parent, giving a promise to your baby that there's nothing in this world that you wouldn't do for him. For 175 years, New York Life Insurance Company has lived by this belief. Love is more than a feeling, it's an action. And putting your love into action starts with a simple phone call to your local New York Life agent. David Miller, big White Sox fan, big fan of Sox in a basement, can be reached right now, 773-957-3630 or at newyorklife.com. He'll make sure your needs are always first, just like you do for your family. David Miller, 773-957-3630 or NewYorkLife.com. And I think this is a team that we can beat in the A's. And I think without mistakes, uh, decision-wise, we have more talent. I, I honestly believe what I said in the tweet that I put out before game one. The White Sox should win the first two games of this series and who cares about the game three starter. If if Gio, and after what Giolito did in Game One, and Dallas Keuchel, that's a postseason man right there. I mean, there's a guy they they put his they put his postseason numbers up there. Uh, he he knows what he's doing out there. There's a good chance he goes out there and and puts together a really solid game. And you only need a couple of runs to win it, and it doesn't matter if you're going up against a righty. And I think that there's a really good chance the White Sox win both games. But all that said, I'm truly enjoying this. This is fun. I find it funny, though, that I have gotten things that have been sent to me over the last week or so with people that are saying that we're too negative or, you know, we just hate Ricky Renteria. I want to make a point real quick here. It's okay to be critical of your team when they're in the middle of a losing streak and you're a fan of that team. If, if you, like, I get the fact that sometimes people are in love with, like, a certain guy. You know, like that's your favorite player. So no matter what the guy does, I remember I used to have a guy who used to get mad at me all the time because I, I, I thought Nicky Delmonico couldn't play. And I got it. The guy just liked Nicky as a person. You've met him a couple times. Good dude. But I still stand by the fact that Nicky Delmonico wouldn't, is not a part of this team. There's a reason why Nicky Del, Delmonico is not here when we finally made it to the postseason. There's a, there's a reason for it. Okay. I stand by a lot of the things that we say on this thing because it's okay to be critical of your team and still be a fan of your team. And I find it like it's, it's, it gets crazy. Like I purposely have been trying to stay off of white Sox Twitter because there are people that just like plant their flag about a certain guy. And then they just can't handle somebody pointing out that guy's not doing a good job. So if you are a Ricky fan and you don't like the fact that we're pointing out his mistakes, you can point out that I'm wrong about what he did, but if what he did, he actually did. I'm not doing, I'm not picking on a guy. Pointing out what he did was wrong, and I'm pointing out what I would like to see changed. And I'll be honest with you, it changed. It changed in the postseason. It changed with the lineup that was sent out, or with the with the 28 man roster for the for the first round, and it changed with his initial lineup. I am totally and utterly ecstatic about that, and it made such a difference. And if it continues, we can go far in this postseason. We really can. It could be an awful lot of fun here in this tournament. And wherever we go, as Don Paul said on Saturday is gravy. But trust me, what Don Paul said on Saturday, Dave, 
He pointed out on this show, players know which guys belong on the roster and which ones don't, which guys belong out on the field or in the lineup and which guys don't. And if they don't see that happening when it's playoff time and it's gut check time, when it all matters every single moment, you lose the players. And he said it, and I think that that kind of attitude is real and I think you have these pitchers, especially a guy like Keuchel, who I think is going to be front and center for the White Sox as long as they're in the postseason. A guy like that is like, I, I want the best guys behind me. I want the best guys at the plate. And and the team, for the sake of the team now, can't worry about people's feelings. They got to put the best guys out there. Yeah, no, totally agree. And Keuchel will let you know, too. Like, he'll tell you. You know, Keuchel has got no qualms about telling you what he thinks. If, if the people that are behind him or providing his offense are not up to par or if the, you know, if the team just isn't playing up to par, he will air that grievance. You know, we've seen that. Look, this is great. You know, we've been, this is the first time we've been in the playoffs for 12 years, you know, 2008. And, and it was almost kind of like, you know, I said it like 2008 was, it kind of almost didn't, it didn't feel anything like this because 2008, you know, we had fallen apart at the end, but the twins fell apart, you know, but everybody else fell apart. And, you know, we won the, the, the blackout game, which was, you know, obviously incredible. But, you know, when you got to the Rays, it was kind of like you were playing with house money. It was like, you knew you really weren't supposed to be there. You probably weren't going to beat that team. Maybe you get one game off of them, which they did, you know, but it, it didn't, it didn't feel like this didn't feel like they had a chance to go really deep into this thing, especially not like it does this year. I mean, especially considering Chris, the matchups that are in front of them, because with how it fell now, instead of having to deal with the Indians and, or the Yankees and, or the Rays, you know, going through that whole meat grinder, you get the A's, which are, I think a great matchup for the Sox. And then you get after this, you're going to get either the, uh, the Astros or the twins, both of which are better matchups for the Sox than Yankees, Indians, or, or Rays. They can go, they, you know, you can see this team easily go two, three rounds deep, dude. No, I can see this team very easily getting to the American league championship series. This team can beat Oakland as long as they're being managed properly and guys like Tim Anderson, not only, I mean, he talks the swagger and then he backs it up by going out there and going three for four. And Abreu continues to do what he's doing. And Luis Robert is starting to come out of it and he's playing great defense yes. out there. And then they got the Twins who they split the season series with, but they won more recently than they lost. So they have an, they have an excellent opportunity there to go out and beat them or they get a team that went in with a losing record. And I know the Astros are getting hot, but I don't know if the Astros have enough to take on the White Sox. So whatever happens here, I think the Sox have an excellent chance to go into the American League Championship Series. Then they're going to probably run into the Indians, the Yankees, or the Rays, and they're going to have problems. Cross my fingers if they make it, do a cartwheel. If not, hell of a first season coming out of the rebuild. Let's go get them in 2021. Well, I'll tell you what, just a quick, uh, just a quick note to that story. Dude, Bieber got shelled tonight by the Yankees. I don't know if you were watching it, but man, the Yankees just absolutely crushed the Indians tonight. And I got, you know, I got to tell you, Chris, I got a little smile on my face when I, when I checked that box score, <laughs> because number one, because number one, screw Cleveland. Okay. Number two, 
You know, selfishly, that's going to mean people are going to look at how Jose Abreu played today, and they're going to look at what Bieber did today, and that's going to be that's going to be a few more MVPs MVP votes in Jose's direction. I think the Yankees are about to get really hot really quick. I think there's a good chance to see White Sox Yankees in the American League Championship Series, but I'm only going off of the very beginning of this postseason. We could we, right. we haven't even gotten out of the first round yet, so I'm not getting cocky. Okay, but nope. I, I do feel far more confident because the team came out and wasn't flat and the team's lineup looked correct and the guys that were put on the final roster were correct. And even though the things that were coming out of the manager's mouth for the last week and a half suggested that would not be the case, it was the case. And if that's the case, this is a completely different ball club. If it's run the right way, this ball club is deadly. They start to believe in themselves, sky's the limit for them. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.